Merkel Media. You think that I'm running in place? Y'all really testing my patience. Right before I blow up the spot, I had to get back to the basics. What if my talent is wasted? You see what I'm lacking to place me? Since I rap in the basement But my come up is legend, is greatness I don't care now, it's pedal to the metal I can never quit now, I will never settle Puppet to the game, I'm pulling strings like to pedal We in the same game, but I'm on a different level I passed it, gotta keep grinding till I'm laid up in the casket No fake round, but you feeling too plastic Yeah, y'all feeling too plastic They say my style crazy, but then it's straight jacket Whoa. Why you still testing my patience? Trying to turn me into something I ain't trying to be All the haters in heavy rotation You gon' lose yourself, quit testing me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Cause I'm looking like Wesley, test me Don't make me lose my mind Don't make me lose my mind Back Nation, what is good? It is I, DJ Swift, running back Philly, no frauds, no fanboys, no intros. Philadelphia 76ers tonight looked kind of like what they were supposed to look like at the beginning of this season. Maybe they were just toying with us for a few games. Thank you for tuning in. This is running back Philly. Please hit the like button on the stream. That helps me out tremendously pushing the content through the YouTube algorithm. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Turn your notifications on. If they're if you're not getting them, turn them off. Turn them back on. And if you want these episodes in crystal clear audio form, mastered by Merkel Media, they are on all podcast platforms. Loud and clear through your car stereo. Uh... Yeah, and uh, go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, download, leave a review. We're, we're teetering, we're on the first page, and we bounce to the second page, and we're back to the first page as far as Sixers on Apple Podcasts. I like being on that first page, baby. Keep me on that first page. That's all up to you guys, man. So thank you for sharing the content, liking the content, everything, all that. Check out the merch. Link is in the description. Uh. Yeah, that's it, man. How y'all doing tonight? Listen. The Sixers beat the Sacramento Kings 123 to 103. And, you know, it's not really about beating the Sacramento Kings that that makes this such a a talkable game win topic thing. What am I trying to say here? That makes this win such a talking point. That's what I was trying. Let's go, Eastwood. Get your words together, boy. Uh, yeah, it's not about beating the Sacramento Kings that makes this game such a talking point. It's what the Philadelphia 76ers looked like in this game. Keep in mind, the Sacramento Kings are frauds. They are, they've forever been frauds. They haven't been relatively decent since Chris Webber and Vladi Divac in 2000. And uh, ever since Vladi Divac... Uh, stopped passing the ball and started passing draft picks. <laughs> They've been bad. Uh, and they trade Halliburton for Sabonis, which is a weird move, in my opinion. I like Sabonis, but is that 
you know, taking you anywhere really. No. And now uh, Halliburton is 22 years old, is leading the entire NBA in uh, in assists, and he's averaging Steve Nash MVP numbers. So there you go, Sacramento Kings. That is the story of that franchise uh, forever at the bottom. We're not very far ahead of that, by the way. Yeah, we have some nice, nice years here since we've gotten Joel Embiid on this squad, but realistically, the Sixers haven't won since 83. We've been losing uh, for 40 years also. So uh, anyway... Sacramento Kings are, you know, they're, they they started out with a pretty good record this season, um, but realistically, they are still the Sacramento Kings. In this game, Sacramento Kings couldn't hit the broad side of a barn. They couldn't hit a blunt at Snoop Dogg's house. They couldn't hit Lizzo with a with, with a tasty cake. Uh, they couldn't hit anything. <laughs> they couldn't hit Lizzo with a tasty cake, bro. What is wrong with this guy? Um, they couldn't hit anything. All right. So that, that that's my, that's my take on, on the Sacramento Kings. Um, I thought it was nice for Joel Embiid to not have to score 90 points for the Philadelphia 76ers to win a basketball game. That's the first thing I'm going to say about this, this, this game. That's why I feel so good about this game and what I saw in this game. Because the Hornets game on Sunday, yeah, Joel dropped 53. But really, when you watched it, you know, it was the Charlotte Hornets without Gordon Hayward. And the rest of the team outside of Joel just did not look good at all. There was no energy. There was no really anything from anybody. Harden had 19 and 16 assists. That was nice. But I'm saying, without Joel dropping 53, we lose that game to the Charlotte Hornets. All right. So tonight against the Sacramento Kings, I thought the team showed up. The team showed up around Joel, and he didn't have to put everybody on his shoulders for the 10,000th time of his career. He could just be Joel Embiid, go out of the game for a little bit in the third quarter with the holding his shoulder whatever, and not worry about the team totally collapsing, comes back in, so it was nice that the supporting cast showed up tonight. Think about this for a second. We are at the point in Joel Embiid's career where he has a non-spectacular night and finishes a game with 31 points and 12 rebounds. We are at the point in Joel Embiid's career where he he has a game with that that is not spectacular. He had seven rebounds, but thirty one points. Do you, do you understand the level of disrespect that has been going on when it comes to Joel Embiid and Philly sports in general, as far as the national media goes? But the level of disrespect that has been going on with Joel Embiid in the national media. If Anthony Davis drops thirty one and seven, he's on ESPN screenshot, tweet, boom. If he has three or four games in a row like this, he's all over the place. Last four games for Anthony Davis, 28 and 17, 29 and 10, 30 and 12. If Jokic has a game where he drops 31 and 7, same scenario. Joel Hans Embiid drops 31 on a normal night, on a not spectacular night. That's 
the place we are at in Joel Embiid's career. And his whole career, it's been, can he stay healthy? And that's still a question. That will always be a question. But when Joel Embiid is healthy, he is absolutely a top three player in the NBA every single season and one of the greatest centers to ever play the game. It's just a fact. It's just a fact. When he's healthy and he's in basketball shape like he is right now, he's completely unstoppable. And he went on historic runs last season right around this time, November, December, January. All those games, what do you have, 10 40-point games in a row? He had like 15, 35, and 10 games in a row. Broke records. That's what Joel Embiid does when he's healthy and he's in basketball shape. And we have him right now. And the Philadelphia 76ers need to take advantage of it right now because the window is not large. The Philadelphia 76ers seem to have a lot more energy to start this game. I don't know what happened. This team, this did not look like what I saw just on Sunday night. This didn't look like what I've seen most of this season so far. They came out with some kind of animosity for the other team. They came out with some kind of fire. They came out. uh, uh, Did somebody give them a pep talk? What happened? Did did Jalen Hurts come in the locker room? What happened? They had a different energy energy tonight. Maybe it's because I I think uh, yesterday they had their first practice of the season. Maybe maybe that's what happened. Maybe they had their first practice of the season and everybody said, you know, Doc, Sam, Dave. They said, hey, guys, we got to get back on, on uh, we got to get back in transition. You know, we got to play defense in the NBA. We got to get back, like when we score a point or two or three, when we score, when we put the ball in the hoop, we have to then run to the other side. There's my there's my camera. I had a mic issue when we first uh, tried to go live. Now we got the, now we got the camera acting up. We're good. We're we're back in action. Um. Yeah, they had a practice and they said, "Hey, we got to play transition defense, and we got to box out." So for the first time this season so far, the 76ers get back on defense, box out. They appear in the first quarter to care about winning the game, and they look totally different. I saw a different energy. Uh, They looked, dare I say, quick on the court. I didn't look at the numbers, but I would bet that the 76ers' pace in this game was the best pace they've had yet this season. They looked quick on the court. They looked quick in their in their offense. They looked quick in their decision making. They looked like they weren't running a whole bunch of ISO. They weren't letting one guy run the shot clock out and have four guys standing around watching him. Even James Harden looked like he was making quick decisions, either shooting the ball, making a move, or passing the ball, or swinging the ball. And moving without the ball, I saw. I said I saw that a couple of games ago. James Harden moving without the ball, but 
Tonight, I saw him actually catch the ball off of a swing and hit a three. And, it, it, you know, for all of his most of his career, he hasn't done that. He's been the guy with the ball, either shooting it or passing it. But if James Harden can kind of mold into this player where, yeah, you're a star point guard. Yeah, you're the facilitator of this team. But also, we need to share the ball. We need to move the ball from the inside out. We need to swing it around the perimeter. And you need to be a guy. camera just froze again. You need to be a guy that can join in that, that can be one of those players that catches the ball on a swing and shoots it. So I like that. Maybe the Sixers got a full night of sleep for the first time this season. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe James, you know, responded to Lil Baby and Lil Glue Stick in the group chat and said, nah, bros, uh, We've been stinking it up so far this season, so I can't go to the strip club with you tonight. I got a game tomorrow, so I'm actually going to go to sleep. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. I don't know. I'm just saying the energy looked different tonight. The ball movement was different. The Sixers had set a season high of 21 first-half assists in this game. That's a phenomenal sign. We said, you know, when we had those games where we were playing with the bench and, and Embiid, Harden, and Maxi were all out, and we saw not a air quotes pecking order. We saw the ball moving. I don't know what's going on with my YouTube stream right now. If you're having issues with it, I apologize. Uh, we saw the ball moving in those games. And yeah, it was the Orlando magic back to back. It wasn't like we were beating up on fantastic opponents, but we were saying, how can we continue this production and this pace and this ball sharing when the starters come back and the starters come back, James coming off a foot injury. I didn't expect him to be great the first couple of games, but you know, the starters came back and it looked like more of the same. I think tonight was the first time that I saw Joel and James on the floor. And everybody else moving around and sharing the ball. So I think maybe maybe, maybe we're finding a little bit of a balance. I'm going to be positive here, all right? I'm not going to sit up here and say, this is bullshit, and it's going to go back to what it is. It might very well could be. Wouldn't shock me with Glenn Rivers. But I'm going to stay positive tonight. I'm feeling good. I went to the gym today. All right. I'm starting to notice a pattern with my podcasting, okay? When I do these a couple hours after a good lift, I'm very positive. When I do these uh, and I'm a little bit tired and and uh, uh, possibly hung over, I'm quite negative. <laughs> so certain things in life affect your mood, okay? Just keep that in mind. Uh, what else we got, man? Yeah, but yeah, I think the Sixers are, uh, you know, at least in this game, it seemed like they are finding a balance of how can we maintain that team chemistry, ball sharing, Keep up a good pace with James and Joel being a part of that and not just running one man ISO, another man ISO, and a bunch of players standing around watching. So I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Uh, the Kings did go on a 14 to 2 run in the third quarter. And, you know, there was that little bit of, there was that little bit of nervousness. There was that little bit of, uh oh, uh oh. You know, we were up by 25 at halftime. Uh, the Kings outscored us 28 to 21 in the third. There was that little bit of, uh-oh, 
but they held it together. They didn't collapse. Uh, that part of that had to do with Montrez Harrell playing a great game. I'm always nervous when, when Trez comes in because I don't know what's about to happen. We've seen games where it looked like a layup drill. And then we've seen games like this where he has success when he's when he's aggressive and going for the rebounds, trying to defend the rim the best that he can at six seven. It is what it is. He's not a he's not a big center. Is he a center at all? I don't know. But he had a good game tonight. Um and one of my favorite plays, I got two favorite plays, okay? Two favorite plays I have from tonight's game. Um the Kings were on a fourteen to two run in the third quarter. And Joel Embiid was responsible for ending that run by kicking it out of a double team. So the Kings go are on a 14-2 run. It looks like they're, they're, they're taking the momentum. It looks like they might be able to swing this game in their favor. And their thought is, let's get real aggressive now and go after Joel. And Joel catches the ball on the wing, on the elbow. They double real fast. Joel kicks it to the top, and the ball movement swings it around to the right side of George Niang in the corner. I, I, it went three players. It went Shake, Milton, Furkan. It went from Joel to Shake to Furkan to Niang in the corner. Bang, bang, Niang hits the three in the corner. Bang, bang, Niang was that he was that uh, he was that Honda pilot with the with the automatic dual sliding doors and the flip down DVD players minivan tonight. You know what I mean? Four for eight from three for twelve points, and when you when Joel passes out of those double teams and you swing it, that's that's a shot you really need to make. And bang bang, Niang hit it. That was a favorite play of mine tonight's game. Another favorite play of mine in tonight's game was a play in the fourth quarter. Niang hits a three on the left side. The very next possession. Defensively, Montrez Harrell blocks Malik Monk, I believe, at the rim, stares over his dead body under the basket, doesn't get a T. I thought he was going to get a T for that. And on the other end, Tobias Harris posters somebody at the rim on the other end. So you get a Niang three, a Trez block, and a stare down, and a Tobias Harris fast break dunk. I feel like they were up and down the floor faster and more efficiently than I've seen them yet this season. And we need to carry that. We need to carry that into Friday night. We need to carry that into Friday night for sure. Uh, Matisse Thibel got the start in this game because we're down DeAnthony Melton. Uh, sore uh, back tightness. Um, they said that he's been having trouble practicing. With, with with tight lower back. Uh, I feel you on that, DeAnthony. Um, now, I never had that when I was 24 years old, but at 36, I, I get that from time to time. So I feel you. It's cold and rainy. Uh, but anyway, you know, back tightness, so he didn't play. So Matisse gets the start. Um, it didn't start out too hot for Matisse Thibault. He had two fouls in 37 seconds to start this game, and I was like, oh, shit. This is this is the Matisse we're gonna get, bro. This guy has two fouls in thirty-seven seconds uh, to start this game. But I gotta credit Doc Rivers. Now this could just be the fact that what else do we have to go to at this point off of the bench, you know? Because Corkmaz is atrocious, 
And defensively, you know, you're trying to slow down guys like De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk on the perimeter. So I give Glenn credit for for seeing through. You know, Matisse, a little bit of a rough start with the fouls. Seeing through, letting him play through his mistakes, and letting him get it back together. Uh, I saw a lot of nice plays from Matisse Thibel in this game. Um, he was active on the on on the offensive side of the ball, and I I don't know, I don't know. I think I don't know if it's I don't know. Maybe the Sixers coaching staff actually got creative with Matisse Thibel for the first time this season, because a lot of times you just see Matisse standing in the corner, and he's just not a three and D player yet. Can he become one? I don't know. I hope so because his defense. His athleticism, his perimeter defense is out of this world. If you can just get him to 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 not be a giant negative on the on the offensive side of the ball, he can be very valuable, right? But what I saw was not Matisse Thibel standing around and 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 you know catching a, a ball in the corner with the shot clock running down and things like that. I saw Matisse being a part of the offense. What is this? Using a player creatively? What is what's going on here? What is going on here? Using a player creatively. Maybe using a player to their strengths. I know that's crazy. But I saw Matisse setting screens, running pick and rolls with James Harden. A, a Matisse screen and roll to the basket? Yeah, get his confidence up, man. Get him some easy buckets. Especially with James Harden dropping dimes. He's putting that ball right in there. Bang, putting it right in the bread basket like a Jalen Hurts corner end zone. So I like the way that we were using Matisse tonight, and I think you know getting him active in the offense and and screening and cutting to the rim and catching catching passes from James Harden and getting easy uh, opportunities around the rim boosts his confidence. And then guess what? That translates to the three point shot, and he shot seventy five percent from three tonight, three for four. Now, two of them were in air quotes garbage time, but as when it comes to Matisse Thibault, I don't care. If Matisse makes a three, Matisse makes a three. If Matisse makes a three with 10 seconds left in a blowout or the very first play of the game, or if Matisse makes a three in the G League, it counts. I'm happy. So that's a good sign for Matisse Thibault and his confidence moving forward. Now we got to see if Glenn Rivers stays consistent with it, right? Because we've seen it time and time again where a player shows up, shows some good signs, and then Glenn says, all right, that was cool, buddy. But have fun back on the bench. We'll see. Daniel House Jr. wasn't playing tonight, and he's much older than Matisse Thibel, So, and you know Glenn's going with the older guy. So when Daniel House comes back, we'll see. we'll see if Matisse keeps his opportunity minutes or if Daniel House gets his minutes back. I don't know. You know what I think about Daniel House at this point. Uh, yeah, that's how I feel about Matisse Thibel. Joel Hans Embiid um, against Demonis Sabonis. Let's be serious. Sabonis can't guard Embiid even if he plays great defense. He's just not even close to the size, the strength, the agility that Joel Embiid is. And I like Demonis Sabonis. I I like that dude a lot. I like the way that he plays the game. Plays the game hard-nosed, strong in the post, uh, old-school kind of player. But he can't guard Joel Embiid. Demonis Sabonis is like a... 
is like a race car who's like good in his own class, you know. But tonight he was going against a Formula One champion. Joel's not a champion yet. Knowing this organization, he never will. Oh, I'm being positive. I'm staying positive. He's what? You're staying positive, bro. But yeah, Sabonis was going against, you know, one of the best centers of all time. So he didn't stand a chance. Uh, he got Sabonis, Embiid got Sabonis into two very quick first quarter fouls. He was out of the game. Namias Queta comes in. I don't know who the hell that is. Never heard of him. Uh, the Kings were on their, their third center uh, toward the end of the first quarter. So just Embiid had people in hell. There's nothing you can do with him. Uh, there's nothing you can do with him. Um, Embiid was running the floor. I mean, he's he's looking like he's he's looking like he's really really getting to that point. You know, like I, I I've been saying all the time, basketball shape. But he looks like he's really getting to that point. Uh, he had a fast break where he played point guard, dropped the dime off to uh to uh, Matisse Thybulle, I think on the right side. Um, Korkmaz comes in the game. Joel has a beautiful. Euro step, no look past the three point line, and Furcon fucking airballs it. <laughs> Get this dude out of my town, bro. I am so. I'm going to be positive about this game, but I'm going to be negative about Furcon Corkmas because he's horrendous. It makes no sense. And if there's a player on your team that makes the broadcast booth laugh when he scores, Get him out of here. He's not good. All right. So Furcon airballs the three. You know, uh, Allah. Uh, the one thing that Allah Abdenabi does with the broadcast is sometimes he talks about NBA players like they're four year old children. You know, Corkmaz airballs a three, and Allah says, "That's all right. That's all right. That's a good look. That's all right. No, it's not all right. It's not all right. It's not all right. It's not okay. I don't want to hear that." That's all right. He's not a nine-year-old. That's all right, buddy. We'll get him next time. No, it's not all right. You're in your sixth NBA season, and you're airballing wide-open threes. It's not all right. G League now. G League now. Meanwhile, Isaiah Joe has the highest three-point percentage per 36 minutes in the entire NBA. Oh, that would have been nice to have on our roster. Oh, wait a minute. He was on our roster. Anyway. The Korkmaz slander will always remain because he's horrendous. And it is what it is. And if you if you don't like it, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Um, Sabonis was flopping and getting foul calls in the beginning, and I hated that. You know, did you guys you guys see that one play where he's under the rim and, and Joel pulled the chair out twice? Sabonis would like lean in and try to get this like contact, and Joel would just jump back and let him dive on the floor. He dove on the floor and they called a foul for him. I'm like, what is going on over here, bro? The combination of Tony Brothers and a <laughs> I'm not gonna say it. Listen, I'm all for equality. That chick referee was horrible. But Tony Brothers is horrible too, so it's not like she's horrible because she's a woman. I guess she's just an NBA ref. None of them are good. It's a tough job, though. Oh. Anyway, uh, 
What else I got about Embiid, man? Yeah, Embiid ended the Kings' 14-2 run by swinging the ball. Then he went out with a shoulder issue in the third. Uh, then he came back in, started shooting some jumpers, put the game away in the fourth uh, with the rest of the guys. I enjoyed it. Paul Reed has officially been returned to uh, the end of the bench. Um, and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's uh, good or bad. You know, we haven't seen yet. Now you knew you knew that you know with Paul Reed playing well at the backup center position this season so far, Glenn Rivers was fuming mad because he hates his guts. I don't know why he hates his guts, but he does. Um, and a team that that has not been good at rebounding so far in the NBA this season needed a guy like Paul Reed at a backup center, right? And he was playing great so far this season. Now he had a bad game against the Lakers. Glenn said, "All right, finally." He had a bad game. Now I have an excuse to get him the hell out of here and play Montrez at all the backup center minutes. And he played Montrez at the backup center minutes in uh, against the Charlotte Hornets. That was his former team. He was going hard. You know, he had a good game, and uh, and he played him at all the backup center minutes tonight too. And he had another good game. So we'll see if that ends up being a good decision or not. Uh, you'll, we'll see if we get in those situations where it turns into a layup drill. Um, but. I just wanted to point out the fact that, it, you know, Glenn was waiting for that. He was waiting for that opportunity to get rid of uh, Paul Reed, put his ass back on the end of the bench because he doesn't like him and he doesn't want to be wrong. But Trez had a good game at backup center. Uh, the, the team didn't completely fall apart. Defensively, when you go Montrez Harrell and George Niang at the four and the five, my my like uh, my face hurts. Like those dudes, it just is what it is. They they can't defend anybody, so it's. I don't like to watch that. I would clearly rather have at least Paul Reed out there with 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 one of those two guys for his athleticism and his rebounding and his dif- uh, rim protection. I would definitely one thousand percent rather have Charles Bassey back there, but that's long gone. That's neither here nor there. We got to live with what happened. But they, you know, two games in a row of of Trez at backup center, it's been working out so far. Uh, I just think Doc was kind of waiting for that moment to get rid of Paul Reed because he don't want no Paul Reed victory tour. We all know that. Tobias Harris continues his production, uh, and he's been great, man. He's been great. And I, I, you know, I said to uh, somebody in the chat when the stream first started that I never slander Tobias. I do slander Tobias. He has games where he's soft. He has games where he avoids contact. He has games where he just plays timid, finesse over physicality. You know what I mean? Uh, I think he's naturally a, a finesse guy and shies away from contact, but I think when he tells himself, I'm going hard, I'm going to be physical, I'm going to get to the rim, I'm going to use my body, I'm going to, I'm going to bully some people. And he does. And, and, and maybe then he realizes, wow, I am 6'8", 230 pounds. I can dunk on people in the NBA. I just don't think it comes to him. I just don't think that mindset comes to him naturally. Uh, but he's been aggressive as of late, and he's been producing. He's been great. His three-point shot has been money. He was only two for seven tonight, but couple of them that he hit, like, I just think his shot looks better this season. It looks quicker, and it looks like he's getting more arc on it. Uh, it looks more lethal. It looks more reliable. 
so far this season. And he had 21 points, uh, five rebounds. I thought he was aggressive in the paint. You know, the fast breaks running up and down the floor. I thought everybody on the team was impressing me as far as their transition game and how much they were getting up and down the floor compared to most of this season. But Tobias was getting up and down and uh, doing his thing. He was making quick decisions. and He was going to the rim hard and finishing. And nine assists for Tobias Harris. Nine. I don't even know how that happened. I don't think I even remember seeing nine assists happen from Tobias Harris in this game. I just looked at the stats right now, and Tobias Harris had nine assists. I used to call him uh, blinders, you know? The dude would just get the ball, and every single time, he would never, ever, ever look anywhere. He would never pass the ball. So for Tobias Harris to have nine assists, I don't know if that's a career high or not. That's a great sign. That means Tobias is moving the ball. That means everybody's moving the ball. That means even the player that I used to call blinders is moving the ball. So 21 and 9 for Tobias Harris is great. And uh, you know what, man? Joel, James, you get Maxi back. That's another, that's another uh, you know, obstacle. It's another thing you really gotta figure out, you know, how to work him into uh the offense, how to work him into this whole equation. And we've been saying most of this season and the end of last season, you got to trade Tobias. <laughs> Listen, at the end of the day, if he doesn't fit with three other primary scorers, he has some pretty damn good trade value right now. And I, I honestly think Tobias Harris is playing great right now. I think he's, I think he should want to be somewhere else. That's what I'm saying, man. I think he should want to be somewhere else. I think he should want to be more of a primary scorer on a basketball team if if he knows or thinks at least that he can produce like this on a nightly basis. If I'm Tobias Harris, I don't want to be a fourth option. I want a little bit of spotlight. But I don't know, man. We'll see what happens when Maxi comes back. We'll see if uh, they can keep it up and keep the chemistry going. You know, but Tobias Harris has been playing great, man. Playing great. 296 people in here. Hit the like button, please. Let me get 296 likes. I got a couple more things, man. James Harden. James Harden. James Harden might be back, back. James Harden might be back, back. Now, James took the whole offseason to get in shape, and he looked great at the beginning of this season. You know, he started the season with, what, almost a 35-point triple-double? He had a couple 30-point games. Uh, like I said, he's getting an elevation on his jump shot because he's got his legs back with with taking the whole offseason to, to get in better shape than he was in last season. He finally had a full offseason after rehabbing a hamstring for almost two years. So he looked great at the beginning of this season. He looked like he was on pace to, to come back into form, at least that Brooklyn James Harden, at least that MVP-level James Harden, that elite facilitator, and score when you need him to score guy. And then he hurts his foot, you know, and then he sits out for a month. And then Doc brings him back on 38 minutes the first night and 47 minutes in an overtime game the night after that. And I was nervous thinking, like, bro, he was just out for a month with a foot injury. Can we can we take it slow? Can we ease him back into it? But clearly, I was wrong about that. Clearly, James is 100%. His foot is 100%, and he can handle those minutes. 
And, uh, you know, he came back after a month, and of course he looked rusty. Of course he looked a little bit a step slow. Of course he looked like he didn't have the elevation. Anybody that plays basketball at all, even if you're younger than James Harden, even if you're 23 instead of 33, if you play basketball consistently and then you just sit on a chair for a month, think about that. It wasn't a broken wrist. It wasn't a fractured thumb. It was something that prevented him from doing anything physically on a basketball court or you can't even run with a fractured foot or strained foot tendon, whatever it was. So he was literally sitting for a month, and then you go try to play basketball again. You're just not going to be good when you get back on the court. You know what I mean? But it didn't take him long. That first game, he was four for 19. You know, but Hornets game, he had 16 assists. Tonight, he had 15 assists. He becomes the first 76er to have back-to-back 15 assist games since Maurice Cheeks in 1986. Shout out to them, 86 babies. That's your boy right here, 1986. Uh, yeah, so he he becomes the, the, the first player since Mo Cheeks to have back-to-back 15 assist games. And James, his facilitating ability, his the way he passes a basketball is some of the best I've ever seen. It is some of the best I've ever seen. There's there's It's not a coincidence that he has the only 60-point triple-double in NBA history. He has the only multiple 50-point triple-doubles in the same season in NBA history. This dude's passing ability is is insane. If you're open, he's hitting you. If you're open, he's finding you. And when he drops the ball to somebody rolling to the rim, even if it's Matisse Thibel or Joel or Paul Reed, whoever, it's rarely off target. If he throws a full-court pass, it's rarely off target. He's just so accurate with his passing ability it really is is wildly valuable. It's really like a quarterback leading a receiver into the end zone. You know, if, if that ball is a millisecond behind the mark, that receiver has to slow down, right? Then the defender can catch up. Every, every, every millisecond counts. And that might prevent a touchdown, right? But if that ball's on the money in stride, the receiver's gone and he's in the end zone. Same thing works with the way James Harden drops the ball, you know, to somebody rolling to the rim. He puts it on the money, leading the, the leading the roller right to the rim, and he really it really just makes that opportunity to score that much easier for the player catching the assist. That's my assessment of James Harden passing the basketball. He's amazing, but also tonight he got his shot back a little bit. And he got his confidence back a little bit in the shot. You know, we saw in the playoffs last year, James lose confidence a little bit in his shot, and he starts passing up wide-open shots. And we're saying, oh, my God, we traded for Ben Simmons version 2.0. Like, what the hell's going on here? You know, everybody, you know, if if you don't feel right shooting a ball, be it Ben Simmons, who never felt right shooting a ball, (laughs) because his dumb dad told him to shoot left-handed, uh... But even James Harden, if his legs aren't there like they weren't in the playoffs last season, even he loses confidence because he doesn't feel right shooting a basketball. This season, he's felt right. Comes back after sitting for a month, takes him a couple games, but tonight it looks like he felt right. He got the confidence, and at the end of the second quarter, he hits a three. Well, what did he do? He hit a mid-range jumper. 
He didn't have any field goal attempts in the first quarter. Second quarter, he hits a mid-range. He hits a, a, a dribble step back three at the top of the key. Then we inbound the ball. He just dribbles right down the floor, comes around a pseudo, uh, I think it was Montrez Harrell screen, and just jacks it from 25 feet and hits that one. My girlfriend was asleep on the couch right next to me. I screamed. Woke her ass up. Babe, get up. James Harden's back. Babe, get up. James Harden's back. <laughs> she probably hears me downstairs right now. She's like, what the fuck is he doing? I screamed because it wasn't necessarily so much about making that shot. It was the confidence. It was James coming down, sliding around that screen and saying, I got it going on right now. And I'm letting this thing fly. And he hits another one. Eight points in like 15 seconds. Then he hits a what what a, then he hits a first half buzzer beater from the right side. He was four for five from three in the first half and had 17 points and 10 assists. He finished the game with 21 points, 15 assists, seven rebounds, and five steals. The five steals, you know, he was active. His hands were active uh, in the passing lanes. And James Harden clearly, obviously, is not known for his defense. Some of those steals, they were kind of throwing it right to him. I feel like at least one or two of those I could have stole. Um, But, you know, maybe defenses see James Harden on the baseline or or see somebody cut and they say, oh, that's just James Harden. I'm just going to throw this pass in there. And he, he was stepping up and getting steals. You know what I'm saying? So... 21, 15, and 5 for a plus 24 for James Harden. I love it. James Harden's back, ladies and gentlemen. James Harden's back. P.J. Tucker started the game with two corner threes. That was all he had, but hey, at least P.J. Tucker was catching the ball in the corner and shooting a three-pointer. Not pump fake dribble, pump, fake, pass, or shooting it off the side of the backboard. P.J. Tucker looked like P.J. Tucker. Uh, At least in the first quarter, with a couple of corner threes. Still only got up three shots in 23 minutes, but he got in foul trouble. A lot of those calls were ticky-tacky, annoying calls. But I like that from P.J. Tucker. Um. What else I got to talk about, man? Okay, so the Sixers put it away. They didn't collapse entirely. It was nice. You know what I'm saying? I know I'm negative a lot about this team and this organization because I hate this organization. They've been bad for 40 years, and they've made some really fucking stupid decisions in over the course of the process and even recently. But, They didn't collapse in this game. This is the first time this season I saw them put a team away. So I'm I'm happy about that. So we actually get garbage time. We actually get garbage time. Jaden Springer gets in the game. Jaden Springer gets in the game. Gets a block on on, uh, somebody trying to do a layup at the rim. You know, he's athletic. I don't know if he can play basketball, but he's athletic. He got an open three on the left side then and and damn near airballed it. 
you know, shanked it off the right side of the rim. Who knows if that project is ever going to turn into anything. Uh, I would have taken Isaiah Joe time and time again. Uh, Matisse Thibel hit two threes in garbage time, like I said, but that counts no matter what. Process legend Rashawn Holmes was in the game. Kings went on a 10-0 run in, in garbage time. Furkan Korkmaz uh, had an offensive foul. Um, and Allah was laughing and saying, like, I just love it. He's using his body. He's being physical. Knock it off. The guy stinks. Get him out of here. Anyway, that was garbage time. And I think that's all my takes uh, for this game, man. And Kevin Herter, nobody likes Kevin Herter. Nobody likes what he looks like. Nobody likes what he plays like. He smoked us in the playoffs when he played for the Atlanta Hawks. He put like 37 points on Ben Simmons. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was another situation of one of those players that, you know, just playing out of their minds against the 76ers. Uh, Kevin Herter is officially back down to earth. He looks super dumb with the headband on, and he was one for five in this game with four turnovers. So, fuck you, Kevin Herter. Springer's going to be great. Knock it off. All right, let's chop it up in the in the comments, man. What you guys talking about in the comments? Biggie545, thank you for the super chat. Thibel, 75% from three. Let them hang. King. It's an interesting compliment. Uh, <laughs> but I understand where you're going with it. And, you know, I, like like I said, two of the threes were in garbage time, but uh, it's great for Matisse Thibel's confidence. And I just hope that Glenn Rivers continues to give him the opportunity and whatever the coaching staff did in practice to, 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 to do what they did tonight on the court, which was use him in different ways, setting screens, rolling to the basket, cutting to the basket, using his athleticism. I hope they keep doing that. I really, really hope they keep doing that. We will see. Uh, what did I miss? There's a couple super chats here that, that I got to answer for you guys, man. Mr. Rudy, as always, Allah just busts on himself on every simple move the opposing team does. His commentating hurts my ears. Yeah, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I still need to figure out how to get the away broadcast on my TV. I need a jailbroken fire stick. Uh, I need something. I was going to use a VPN, but NBA.com somehow now has the technology to block VPNs. So I paid for a VPN, and I still can't get the away broadcast. So I need some kind of tech-savvy nerd superhero to help me out. Get me the away broadcast. I love NBA League Pass. I just like listening to away broadcasts. It's not that I hate the Philadelphia 76ers broadcast. Yes, I do. But I really like hearing other teams broadcast, you know? And it's nice. It, even if, even if, even if Kate and Allah were, 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 were enjoyable to listen to, it's still nice to hear something different when you watch a basketball game. You know what I'm saying? Like if I got to hear the Kings broadcast game tonight and then the Warriors broadcast team on Friday, like that would be fun. I think that keeps it interesting. That keeps it fresh. That, that you know, nobody likes the same two people calling a game for 82 nights. Especially when all he's talking about is 
some guy that played in 1967 and what college his dad went to. But anyway, uh, what else? Mr. Rudy again, man. Thank you for the super chat. Let's get an MVP for Mr. Rudy, man. Two super chats for a whopping total of 10 bucks. Thank you, man. The slow feet all-star lineup of Harden, Shake, Niang, PJ, and Ferk reeks of icy hot and winter mints. 1950s basketball. Listen, Mr. Rudy, we're not being negative tonight. We're being positive, all right? I went to the gym. I feel great. The Sixers won. They didn't collapse. They put a team away. They did what they're supposed to do for the first time this season. The slow feed all-star lineup, Harden, Shake, Niang, PJ, and Furk. Yeah, that's a bad lineup. It's a bad lineup because... Furkan Korkmaz is in it. Any any lineup that Furkan Korkmaz is in is a bad lineup. That's number one. Okay. I probably would never play Niang and PJ together. Uh, you know, and there's there has to be a backup center somewhere, bro. We can't be Niang, PJ, and, and Trez. I got I got a bad feeling about that moving forward. But we'll see if that comes. We'll see if the Charles Bassey release comes back to haunt us. Which, by the way. Last night, uh, Charles Bassey had 11 rebounds in... What did he have? He had 11 rebounds in 20 minutes off the bench for the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, six offensive rebounds in 20 minutes. <laughs> Dude is a l- rebounding machine. And a team that struggles to rebound released a rebounding machine. Isaiah Joe last night uh, had 12 points and 7 rebounds off the bench for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Isaiah Joe and Charles Bassey combined for 18 points and 18 rebounds last night. And uh, that's just more than any Sixers bench player is doing right now. So we'll we'll see if those decisions come back to haunt us or not. Uh, super chat. Hey, man. What's up? Hey. Thank you for being a member of the channel, and thank you for super chatting. Hey, DJs, with Joel and Beetle on your shirt, looks like Hannibal Lecter. That's that one from last year. That's that. Uh, that's that real MVP. The real MVP. Joel and Beetle t-shirt. You know why? Because I'm tired of him not getting MVP votes. I'm fucking sick of it. I'm sick of it. I'm tired of this seven foot dopic, fat slobby. Slow. Dude can't jump over a pencil. Now look, I think Nikola Jokic is a great talent. But he can't play the defensive side of the ball. Everybody knows he can't play the defensive side of the ball. Joel Embiid dominates the offensive side and the defensive side of the ball every single night. No other player in the NBA dominates both sides of the ball like Joel Embiid. Without Joel Embiid, this team is a play-in. And Denver Nuggets fans like, like, to, like to stretch analytics as far as they can possibly be stretched to not only try to argue that he is a good defender, they try to argue that he's the greatest defender in the history of basketball. 
because of these just super value over replacement player. What other what but adjusted box plus minus all of this bullshit? I test Eastwood is in the house, bro. The dude can't play defense. Knock it off. Now they're doing this. Here's the new one. Here's the next stat. They're doing points plus points assisted to argue that Nikola Jokic is the MVP this season. They're doing points plus points assisted. And they even put him next to Anthony Davis, who has been way better this season, and said he doesn't have as high of a points plus points assisted, so he's not MVP. Bro, not everybody has to be a facilitating center. It's a good thing Jokic can pass the ball because he can't get busy in the post ever. That's enough of my Jokic hate. I, I like Nikola Jokic. I like to watch him play, but this this MVP every season is is getting ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous. Joel deserves an MVP, and I will, I will march for that until my dying day. Even if Joel wins five championships, I will be pissed off if he doesn't have at least one MVP. Because I think his value is being underappreciated around the NBA. That's what I think. All right, guys. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight. You guys are the best. Continue to listen, download, subscribe to the podcast. Continue pushing that out there. Continue sharing the streams, the clips, the shows. Continue telling your friends about the show. Continue telling your mom, your grandma, your sister, your brother, everybody. I appreciate the support. I always appreciate the support. Thank you for tuning in after every single Sixers game. Uh, hit the like button on your way out. Only got 122 likes. There's 264 people in here. I should have 200 likes before this is over, bro. I should have 200 likes. Quit testing me. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Cause I'm looking like Wesley. Test me. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Don't make me lose my mind. Cause I'm looking like Wesley. Test me. Cause I'm looking like Wesley. Test me. Let me lose my mind, cause I'm looking like Wesley Tessman. Tessman, Tessman, Tessman.